Take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews 10. As you're turning, I'll reiterate the importance of feeding the 5,000 and express a tremendous thank you to a very generous family in our church who gave a very, very substantial gift this week to um, get us there. And here's the deal. We still want you to give. We still want you to get non-perishables. We still want you to be a part of this. But we're going to be able to feed a lot more than 5,000 people this year uh, based on what's come in in the very first week. Isn't God good to provide for us to feed all of these people? I love it. And... We're going to be with Boys and Girls Clubs, Irwin Street. They're telling me it is a tremendous location with a lot of need around there. And we're going to be able to reach into a lot of schools and advertise. So please be praying and participate with Feeding the 5,000. We need to also pause for a moment. And at the end, we're going to take a special time of prayer for our friends in Israel. They have declared war. Many hundreds have already died. It could be many thousands more. It's the first time in my lifetime Israel's been in a state of war from 1973 in their last declaration, so we're going to spend some time at the conclusion praying for our friends in Israel. We also have folks even from Tennessee traveling there, tourists touring the Holy Land that uh, are in harm's way now. We're going to be praying for them. Uh, we are also going to remember today Deputy Tucker Blakely. Uh, what a tragedy, not very far down the road from here. The first officer in over 40 years shot and killed in the line of duty. And I know there was a, a man that was also shot and killed, and there are uh, multiple families wrecked. But Officer Blakely left a wife and a precious five-year-old child. And uh, I'm reminded not only through Officer Blakely's passing and his heroic sacrifice, but also Jeremy Hutchins. Some of you knew Jeremy. We had members that were neighbors. Jeremy was in a, a horrible accident, a construction accident, where a piece of equipment uh, turned over and, and he lost his life this week. And at 36 years old, I believe it was, late leaving a wife and two children. Friends, life is short. Life is so, so short. And having celebrated another birthday yesterday, I know if you forgot, it's okay. Come to the kiosk. We accept all forms of cash. Thank you for that. No, thank you for your, your well wishes. We had a great time. We went to the pirate show last night. My mom's in town. The girls loved it. Sophia ate the whole time. And uh, Lucy was enthralled with the, the pirate thing in Pigeon Forge. It was a fantastic day. It was a beautiful fall day, wasn't it? The Lord really blessed us. And look, the good news is the Vols didn't lose a football game. That's good news, right? They didn't play yet. Um, next week's going to be fun. But my Tar Heels won. It was a good day all around, okay? It was fantastic. But we won want to remember as we pray at the conclusion, we're going to spend some time together on our face before God. We need to remember these and we need to remember again our friends who are in the ravages of war right now. I believe God is not finished with Israel. I believe if you understand your Bible and eschatology, you understand that God is not finished with the people nor the land. It's still a very important people and place. And so we want to pray uh, for what is happening right now overseas. Uh, we are in a perfect series to trust God, and just like Andrea's song, Hebrews, an anchor for the soul. And I think I have the perfect verse that God had already laid on my heart before all of these things. It's incredible how the Lord works. Look at Hebrews 10, 23. Hebrews 10, 23. You guys say this with me, okay? Let's go. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now look at that verse. We're going to use that for the next few weeks. Let us hold fast 
the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is what, church? Faithful. The Lord Jesus Christ is faithful. Back in 98, it's hard to believe this was 25 years ago, 98, Cindy and I had the privilege of taking 50 high schoolers to New York City to take in some Broadway shows, to do some vocal lessons. I was student teaching at the time, getting ready to start seminary. Um, I was finishing my, my undergraduate, going on toward my master's in um, uh, theology and languages. And we went to New York City, and I found something that I just had to have. I bought myself my first and my only Rolex watch. I got that thing for $20 on the street in New York City, and I wore it proudly. And the good thing is, from a distance, it looked like I had a Rolex watch. And if you got close, you began to see the green rubbing off on my wrist. And uh, I didn't have it too terribly long before I busted the face. I would have said the crystal, but we both know that's not true. And so I busted the face of that watch. Now, how many of you think I took my Rolex to a jeweler to get it fixed? <laughs> well, no, I didn't take it because I was afraid he'd laugh me out of his shop. I was afraid it would cost me more than $20 to get the face of my fake Rolex fixed. Now, they tell me that these are Rolexes because today we're going to talk about the real deal. They say one of those is fake and one of those is real. And looking at the photo, I have no idea. You know why I have no idea? I've never owned a real Rolex watch. And many of us haven't. But I know my watch went tick tick, tick, like a Timex, and they say the real Rolex has moved so many times a minute, it looks like a very smooth motion. They tell me that the second hand moves like eight times a second, and the real Rolex is totally different. But today, I want us to focus on the real deal. See, there's a lot of fake and phony stuff out there. And I, I, I know you ladies, if I offered you Dominique versus a diamond, you're probably going to take the diamond, right? You probably want the real thing. I can tell you right now, if I get up and want a bowl of something to snack on, I don't want a bowl full of uh, fruit rounds, okay? I want you to pour the milk over my fruit loops. I want the genuine artificial colors and flavors of fruit loops. Don't be buying cereal for me in a bag, man. I want a box. I want the real deal because I'm snobby about my cereal. I eat with my pinky up when I eat my fruit loops, y'all. I want the real thing. Don't give me the fake stuff. I want the other fake stuff, okay? And so that's the way I roll. And here in our passage today, Jesus is the real deal. What you see is what you get. No magic, no bait and switch, no hocus pocus. And in the core of our text, what we see is this conversation that goes on. It takes place originally in Psalm 40, 6 to 8. It's repeated here. And if you go in the stores these days, you're already seeing Christmas stuff. So we might as well talk about Christmas for a second. Here's a conversation that happens between God the Son, Jesus, and God the Father. And it is though Jesus is setting the stage for why he came to this earth. His very first advent. It's an incredible conversation that we get to overhear. And it really reminds us that Jesus came as the real Deal. He came to do exactly what the Father set out for him to do. And he reminds us that everything before him, there were shadows 
precursors, forerunners, prototypes. That's actually from the Greek, prototype, a first type. But he's the real deal. He is the one who truly takes care of our sin problem. Everything else, just shadows. Stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. And we are going to read chapter 10, 1 to 10. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? What does that mean? It just means that if the animals worked, if the high priest could do this thing once for all, then he wouldn't have to go back. But every time he goes back, every Yom Kippur, every year on the Day of Atonement, every day, every week, every month in the temple, every time he goes back, it proves that it didn't work, right? Then they wouldn't have ceased to be offered for the worshipers once purified would have had no more consequences of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. But watch this pivot. Now we're going to hear a conversation in heaven before the very first Christmas, before the incarnation. Therefore, when he came into the world, Jesus said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings, offerings for sin, you did not desire nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. In other words, you gave us the law, you told us what to do, but that wasn't the real deal yet. You didn't even take pleasure in that. Nine. And he said, this is Jesus again, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. Took away the first covenant. Took away the first testament, that he may establish the second covenant, or the new testament. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Heavenly Father, what a glorious truth we get to see today. What an amazing reality that we get to live in today that Jesus paid the price and it was accepted once for all. We didn't have to bring animals in here. We don't have to try to earn our way to your favor or your presence. We have entry to your very throne room because of the finished work of the Lord Jesus. Thank you for that reality today. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, guys, be seated. Let me show you why Jesus is the real deal. If you're a note taker, let's jump right in. Jesus is the real deal because first, animal blood cannot take away human sin. Now, you've heard me say that in various forms many, many times, but it's right here in the text. I get that straight out of the Bible, particularly verse 4, but animal blood cannot take away human sin. Remember what verse 1 says, these things were but a shadow. You don't have to fear a shadow, it's not the real thing. They can't take away sins because they have to keep being offered continually. The bulls, 
the goats, the little lambs, the doves, all of these things keep getting offered, but they are insufficient. If they worked, you wouldn't have to do it over and over and over again. They don't work. They never worked. They were simply a forerunner, a precursor to the real deal. Suffice it to say, these sacrifices were but shadows. Remember how I like to say this. I think this is an easy way for y'all to remember. It helps me remember it. The animals, the, the blood of the animals covered sin. The blood of Jesus cleanses sin. Those things were a temporal band-aid. The infection was still there. You know, you could have a problem and you could cover it. You could put a Band-Aid on it. You could hide it. Maybe you could make up it or whatever. And you can cover it over, but you still know it's there. And maybe it's still causing problem. The old system, Band-Aids at best, but Jesus rips off the Band-Aid, exposes our infection, our sin to the light, and he cleanses it completely. And remember, three and four, in those sacrifices, the more they did them, the more it reminded us that we're still in our sin, that it didn't work. It is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins because it wasn't the sin of the bulls and goats. It's the sin of men and women. In fact, I want you to write this down if you're a note taker. Every time that sacrifices and offerings were made revealed the reality that yesterday's sacrifice was inadequate and tomorrow's offering was inevitable. Yesterday, inadequate. Tomorrow, inevitable. Daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, decade by decade, century by century. But Jesus is the real deal because he alone as the spotless lamb of God could pay the price for sin. He talks about these two things, sacrifice and offering. Sacrifice almost certainly refers to the blood sacrifice, what we're thinking of when we think of animals. Offering almost certainly refers to like the meal and the grain offerings. And there were specific uses and special reasons they did it a certain way. But again, I don't need to take time to go back into Leviticus and unpack all that for you because it's finished. It's over and done with. And Jesus even said that the Father did not desire these things. I mean, this is amazing. Look at verse 6. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Wait a minute. Who taught us how to do the sacrifices? Who? Now, I know through Moses, I know God spoke through Moses, but who was the one that initiated the sacrificial system? Well, that was God himself. God's the one that did it, and yet God was not pleased in it. Why? Because God knew from the beginning of all things, animal blood wouldn't ultimately take away human sin. See, Jesus came at the fullness of time. You know why I think that we have it that way? You know why I think Jesus came when he did? I think there are many, many reasons. But if you study history, you don't even have to be a Bible expert. You can simply study world history. If you look at what was going on in the Roman Empire in the days of Jesus, if you look how God set the stage in what we now call the Holy Land, what we would refer to now as Israel. If you see how those three gigantic continents come together in that little sliver of land where people have fought and bled and died and continue to do so to this moment, 
If you looked and studied that historically, even apart from your Bible, it would become very obvious to you that God sent Jesus at the perfect time, at the perfect place, as the perfect sacrifice. You would see it divinely converge in the same way that God chose Moses, Abraham, Abram, Abraham, Moses, and the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses. You see how God did that in a time when language development, and, and this again, you don't have to be a Bible scholar, just be a student of history. You see how language had developed up to the point, I was teaching on this in my last Wednesday series, language had developed up to a point where it could be specific enough, not just with hieroglyphs, but with ancient Syrophoenician leading into ancient Hebrew language that would lead us from Hebrew to Aramaic, you, what you find is that language was developed enough in that specific time of history for the written word to come from the Lord that we could have preserved even today as the word of God, the Bible. And so in the perfect time, God did this because animal blood can't take away human sin. Years ago, in fact, when Cindy and I met, I was working at a theme park. I also worked for Bush Entertainment Group. But the theme park in uh, Williamsburg that I did shows that uh, it's like a European theme at Bush Williamsburg. And so um, I'll share more of my testimony at the man night coming up. Listen to that. Uh, when Mike tells you at the end today, guys, if you're interested in, in the full story. Um, but anyway, I worked in a, an area, a country that was supposed to be like Germany. It looked great on the outside, and what the um, park goers saw looked pretty good. But behind the scenes, we knew everything was fake. And you could see just how fake it was, sort of behind the curtain, if you will. About 21 years ago, it was 02, I had the opportunity to go work with Muslim refugees in Berlin, Germany. And let me tell you, seeing the real thing, eating the real food, walking the real streets, seeing where the Berlin Wall was and seeing the monuments and all of that, that was a whole lot better than the fake stuff. It was a whole lot better than us pretending back in Williamsburg, Virginia, that this is Germany. Now, it had its place, and it was fun, but anybody would prefer, I think, the real deal over the fake. And here's the thing. There are a lot of religions out there. There are a lot of systems out there that have a shiny veneer. They look pretty good. They tell you, believe this and do that, and you'll be accepted by God. You'll even be favored by God or the gods. It's almost like God is a divine genie, and if you rub his lamp the right way, he'll give you what you want. But biblical Christianity in Jesus Christ is so much better. It's not fake. It's not phony. It won't let you down when it really gets tough. Jesus is the real deal because animal blood can't take away human sin, but also because God prepared a human body for him. Guys, Christmas was not an afterthought in the mind of God. God wasn't in heaven going, oh no, oh no, 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 no. Come here, Michael. Come here, Gabriel. We got to talk, boys. Look, this sacrificial system thing's not working. They're staying in their sin. They have to come back and offer more animals. This is not working. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I know what I'll do. Hey, Jesus, come here. I think I'll send my son now. Mm, no, wrong. Before you were created, before I was formed or fashioned in my mother's womb, before Adam and Eve, our parents, before our parents would ever take the first bite of that forbidden fruit, God decided, 
I'm going to give them a temporal system as a placeholder in time, but I will have to send my son. In fact, the Bible is very clear. I will prepare a body. Look at verse 5. He came into the world and Jesus said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. What that tells me is this on your notes. The incarnation of Christ was never a backup plan in the heart and mind of God. Incarnate. When God came in flesh, when Jesus Christ entered this world through the virgin's womb, God was just fulfilling his plan he had all along. You say, but pastor, I don't understand. Why did it happen that way? If God really knew that Adam and Eve were going to sin and that humanity was going to face death and the world would groan and it would be so hard and there would be tears and suffering and shame and heartache, why did God do it that way? Because I would submit to you that you would never be able to experience reality and true love if God did it any other way. I would submit to you, now think through this well, process with me, If you were an automaton who could not have sinned, if Adam and Eve could not have had the power of moral choice to say, we will disobey, would they have really been in a love relationship with God? No. You cannot force someone to do all that you want them to do and still call that a true love relationship. That's not what it is. That's slavery. That's nothing more than slavery. And God in heaven is not some grand puppeteer who's pulling our strings. God made us for relationship even knowing the pain it would cause and the very lifeblood of his own son. The Bible says, a body you have prepared for me. A body, a soma, a living physical body was prepared. The word means to make ready to equip for a particular use, to furnish completely. It is as though God perfectly knitted and formed and fashioned this body for Christ. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The very Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. And if you forget that God created a body for Jesus... And God sent him knowing that the shadow of Calvary's cross would fall across Bethlehem's manger. If you forget that, then sometimes you'll think, well, poor Jesus. Look at what happened to Jesus. Such a great leader, such a great leader, such a great teacher. But the Romans took his life. And you would be wrong. The Bible says that Jesus willingly laid down his life. It was the plan and purpose of God to send Jesus to the cross as a sacrifice for you and for me. And Jesus did it perfectly. And everybody that saw that Christ child wanted to tell somebody else. The stars got together in heaven. The heavenly hosts, the angels wanted to proclaim it. The shepherds that went to see the baby in the manger. And at Christmas time, don't you dare just stop with a baby in a manger. All season long, when you see the lights out there, when you see the evergreens, when you hear the celebration and the singing, remember God had a plan. God prepared a body. God formed and fashioned it. God made it, and God made it very, very good. I want you to think about making things for a moment. 
I gave Karen a list. My ministry assistant is wonderful. I gave her a list, and I said, could you please find images of these things? I want to show you some of the most spectacular things the hands of man have formed. We'll start with Shah Jahan in India. It's an amazing mausoleum built for one of his wives. It's uh, basically a, a tomb, if you will, but it's spectacular. It's called the Taj or the Taj Mahal. Check that out. It's pretty spectacular to look at. Let's look at the second picture. What is this image of in picture two? What is that? Yeah, the Great Wall of China. It's called Great because indeed it is. Look at the next one. Most of us have probably seen or been to the Empire State Building. Many of you from the West Coast, the Golden Gate Bridge. We have the Pyramids of Giza and the Great Pyramid. We'll be seeing that next year. We have the Roman Colosseum, right? It's an incredible thing, even now in antiquity. We have Mount Rushmore, right? Not the version with Trump's face on it. Don't wig out on me. The real Mount Rushmore. I know what some of y'all put out there. The Parthenon. Miss Cindy and I went to see the Parthenon several years ago. We took a group and we went to Mars Hill, Areopagus, Acts 17, where Paul taught in the shadow of the great Parthenon. Uh, we, a few years ago, I was preaching in Sydney over in Australia, and there's that Sydney Opera House. And it is pretty spectacular there in Sydney Harbor. It's pretty amazing. We have the Hoover Dam here in the States. And then when I was a teenager, I had the joy of seeing this incredible edifice. It suffered with fire as of late, but it's the Notre Dame Cathedral in France. Pretty spectacular. Things that the hand of man have formed, things that man has fashioned. But I would submit to you today that it will pale in comparison to the little slideshow I want to show you right now. Look at this. The hand of God made that, my friend. And I'm telling y'all right now that that is better and more spectacular than all of those other things put together. Now, you might love a concrete jungle. You might be a city boy or a city girl, but you put me in the real jungle. Now, give me a weapon, but put me in the real jungle. I want to be out there where God, look at that. Are you kidding me right now? Look at what God has made. Look at what he has formed and he fashioned. And it didn't take him years or decades. It didn't take him millennia or as the pseudoscientists would tell us, billions of years. God spoke that into existence with just a word. Look at the great Smokies that'll pop up. Look at that, y'all. We live there. Can y'all believe that we get to live there? Did y'all see that UT orange in the sky, by the way? It's God's second favorite color, Carolina blue and then UT orange. Okay, so here's the thing. God formed and fashioned all of that by his hand. Don't miss this. The same hand formed and fashioned you. The same hands knitted you in your mother's womb. The same hands, imago dei, made you in the image of God. The same hands prepared a body for his son and our savior, Jesus. Knowing what we, humanity, would do to that body. Knowing that we would spit on that body, that we would pierce that body, that we would lay stripes to that body, that we would bruise that body, that that body would suffer and bleed and ultimately die in our place. God still chose to do it because he loves you.
and the blood of bulls and goats would never get the job done. Don't presume to say you really love Jesus if you can't appreciate the once for all finished sacrifice. God prepared a human body because in my final point, Jesus is the real deal because he came to earth to do God's will. That's what 7 to 10 is telling us. This is from Psalm 40. It's telling us, look, I said, verse 7, behold, pay attention, look at this. That's what behold means. I have come in the volume of the book. Now, specifically, the Old Testament scriptures are what he's referring to. Now, on this side of Calvary, we can say all of the Bible. Behold, I have come. For what reason? In the volume of the book, it's written of me to do your will, O God. Jesus is more than a great teacher, you guys. Jesus is more than a moral leader. Jesus is so much more. He came to do the will while he is co-eternal with God the Father. Jesus is eternally subordinate to God the Father, meaning submission and subordination is not a negative thing. It's a beautiful thing. We submit ourselves under the headship of Christ. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. So if they're submitted to Christ and you're submitted to them, there's this beautiful pattern. It doesn't negate value. It doesn't bring anything down. It actually raises everyone up and it says this, Jesus came to do God's will. I am made to do God's will. And think about it. It sustained the Lord. Y'all remember when he met the Samaritan woman there at Jacob's well, John chapter 4? He unpacks a lot of the sin in her life, and he tells her about the living water of himself. She truly comes to accept him. It's a beautiful evangelistic encounter. She becomes a phenomenal witness and goes off to share Christ, the Messiah, with her village. But then the disciples come, and they said, hey, Jesus, here you go. We've got lunch. And you remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Now imagine what Peter said to John or John said to Andrew. They said, we didn't know Jesus was ordering out a Chick-fil-A party platter. It's Sunday, man. We didn't even know they were open. I'm kidding. I don't know what day it was. But, you know, we didn't know. Where's Jerusalem Domino's when you need them? But what Jesus then followed up with was this. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Because he would also teach us man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Jesus is saying to do God's will gives me sustenance. It is what I need. It is what I thrive on. And when we see that he is the real deal, he says, I'm going to show you I'm the real deal because I did absolutely everything God my Father wanted me to do. And Jesus said, John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It's an active verb. And you all know this, the will of God won't lead you where the grace of God won't keep you and he'll never ask you to do what he won't equip you to do. Some of you are called to serve God and you're scared to death. Some of you are terrified. I was terrified, I get it. You are called to serve the Lord in big ways and you're scared, that's okay. But God will not call you to do something that he won't equip you to do. He will give you all that you need to fulfill the call upon your life. And listen, guys, this should be the last thing in your notes. Aren't you grateful Jesus didn't just talk about God's will? 
Aren't you grateful he didn't just intend to do God's will? He actually and actively did God's will, even when that will put him on Calvary's cross. Don't you dare say the Romans took his life. Jesus willingly laid it down. He gave himself as a sacrifice for us. He paid the price we could never pay. All of us have sinned and fallen short of his glory. What we deserve for that sin is death, and yet Jesus came that we might have life, and God said... I accept the sacrifice and I'll prove it by raising him to life again. I'll prove that I said yes to the once for all sacrifice of Jesus at Easter. Christmas and Easter, you can't understand one without the other. They perfectly go together. But are you doing God's will? If you're a Christian, are you doing God's will? Whatever that is in your life, just following what the Lord is teaching us. Are you doing it? I want to remind you of something now. Matthew 25, verses 21 and 23. The words of welcome that Jesus gives to those who are faithful. The words of welcome. I know you know them. It's not well said, good and faithful servant. Not well preached, not well said. Not well intentioned, good and faithful servant. Not well studied, nor well written, Good and faithful servant. What are the words of welcome that the children of God long to hear? Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean do anything to be saved. That means once you are born again, saved and cleansed by the blood of Christ, you want to produce fruit. You want to bear good fruit. You want to let the root shine through the fruit. You see, you can have fruit with no root, but very soon that fruit is rotten. But when you have a good root, then you begin to produce good fruit, and you produce fruit that multiplies and goes on and on and on. And Jesus came to do God's will, and the desire of our heart should be to do God's will. I say it like this, to put a smile on your face, Lord. Lord, I just want you smiling. Just anthropomorphic language, it helps me in my thinking. It's that, God, I want you to be pleased with me. My kids know when they put a smile on my face. Well, my kids have done something, and, uh, and it pleases the Father. They're going to get a smile from Dad, a thank you, a pat on the back, or a hug. And you know what? I want that from my Father in heaven. Jesus is the real deal because animal blood can't take away human sin. God prepared a human body for him, and Jesus came to earth to do God's will. Now, I want to set up one of my favorite clips of all time from the Andy Griffith Show. I have seen every single episode, and this is still reigns as one of my favorites. Barney is struggling to sing on pitch in the choir. Now, Barney could really sing. Y'all know that. You've seen enough episodes. And if you've never seen Andy Griffith, shame on you. Get right with Jesus and start watching good television. Okay. So here's the deal. Old Barn was struggling. He wanted the solo so bad. And Andy had a plan. Andy had a great plan. I'm hoping we don't get flagged on media for this because uh, we've stitched it together ourselves. We've reworked it ourselves to tighten it up a little bit. But this is one of my favorites. Y'all watch Old Barn. I know most of you know what's coming is a solo microphone. Very, very sensitive. This thing will amplify your voice a thousand times. Really strong. Strong. You blast away at this thing and you'll bust every eardrum in the auditorium. (laughs) What do I do? You have to sing real low, real low. Now try it. 
Balmy and light. Hold, hold it, hold it. Too loud. Low. y'all love old barn you gotta love barn right that's incredible now the reality is of course nobody in the choir was fooled I doubt anybody was really fooled in the audience but it looked like to me old barn might have been fooling himself that chest went out a little bit and those arms went out and he opened his mouth wide and we know we know that it was all just a fake But here's the truth. We got too many Barneys out there trying to fool themselves. Their spiritual chest held out. I'm okay, look at me. And they know in reality that they're not where they ought to be. With the Lord, maybe with others. And so I want to encourage you today. I want to inspire you, don't fake it when it comes to your faith. Keep it real. People know you struggle. People know I struggle. The reality is we need to continuously look to Jesus and learn from Jesus and get out of our system of old works because those are shadows. And I have to come back daily to the thought that Christ died for my sins and your sins. And we don't need those animal sacrifices. Jesus was and is the God-man who paid the price for me. He paid the price for you. He came to do the will of God. And as I trust him, not just once when I was nine, but I trust him today when I wake up and I'll trust him tomorrow if he allows me to wake up. And then I'm discovering the, the will of God, the good and pleasing and perfect will of God as I walk with Jesus and I talk with Jesus, and I learn from Jesus. Why would I want to do all of that with Jesus? Because he alone is the real deal. Y'all stand with me. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do in this invitation. Number one, if you are not the real deal, you need to come and get that right with God today. You need to see a pastor, a counselor. You need to nail this thing down. You've been out there opening your mouth, but you know that if you died today, eternity is uncertain. If there's any hint of uncertainty with what happens on the curtain, on the other side of the curtain of death, you ought to come today. And I'm telling you why, because you never know. These two young guys, much younger than I am now, young men in our community, Gone, way too soon, gone. Stepped out into eternity and you say, well, pastor, don't try to scare us. Man, an eternity without Jesus, it ain't just scary, it's utterly terrifying. It's awful. I'm warning you, in love, 
I'm telling you, get it right today. Nail it down. Talk to a pastor. Talk to a counselor. Many did last service. You do it now. Some of you know somebody else that's faking it. Some of you know somebody else that's not the real deal. You need to come as an intercessor on their behalf. You need to pour your heart out before God and get the courage to lovingly tell them, look, you can claim Christ all you want, but the fruit is just not there or the fruit is rotten. Also have called us to pray for our friends in Israel. This is a very, very difficult time right now for millions And I'm going to ask you to come if you have a heart for our friends that you would lift them before Almighty God who loves them, who has a plan for them. If you would please pray for those who are hurting. Finally and very specifically, I would ask you to pray for the two men mentioned at the beginning. One who died a hero, Deputy Tucker Blakely. I do not know his wife nor his five-year-old, but I commit to you that if there is any way grace can love on them in practical ways, in addition to our prayers, we will help them. We will love them. We will be generous to help them. So please pray for him. Pray for the gentleman that um, lost his life in the accident, Jeremy Hutchins, in in his work-related accident. I understand he left a wife and two children. Again, we will commit to love these families in practical ways in our community. We will be looking at options and opportunities to do so this week. And be ready. Please be ready. Don't leave today without nailing this thing down. Pray for yourself. Pray for others. Pray for these precious families. And please pray for the peace of Israel. Thank you so much for watching us today. God is doing absolutely amazing things in and through our Grace Baptist Church family. If you'd like to share anything the Lord is doing in your life, feel free to reach out to us through our website or our app. And if you're ever in the Knoxville area, come by and worship with us and our family of faith here at Grace Baptist Church.